Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. This is one of the more fascinating passages in all of the Bible. It may be one of the more neglected passages, but it is packed full of interesting details. And we're going to pull out a few of those today, maybe some things you've not heard before, to give you some flavor to this story. So hopefully today you'll hear some things that maybe you've never heard before uh, that are going on here in the text that will help you understand it. Let's think about where we are in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew in chapter 16, we see Jesus goes to Caesarea Philippi. He goes to a place that's very pagan. And we have the admission of Peter, where Peter reveals the identity of Jesus. He makes this confession, a good confession, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus confesses that he will build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now we have Jesus taking a select group of followers up on a high mountain. The text tells us it's a high mountain. There's a lot of debate about what mountain this would be. Some say it's Mount Hermon. Uh, Mount Hermon would be the tallest mountain uh, in Israel. And so some look at that and go, well, that's close to Caesarea Philippi. That has to be the mountain that Scripture's talking about. The traditional site is Mount Tabor. And the reason Mount Tabor is favored by a lot of people is that when Jesus comes from the mountain, he runs into some Jewish people. And it'd be hard to find a group of Jewish people near Mount Hermon. Now, that would be a site where you find many Gentiles and a lot of pagan activity near Mount Hermon. With that said, it really doesn't matter what mountain we're talking about here. Some get really dusted up about it, but really that doesn't change the meaning of the story. The geography here really is not a big deal. I want you to think about some things that are going on in this story that should give you some echoes to other places in the Bible. So before I read this, I want you to think about some things you've heard before. If you went back to Exodus chapter 24, uh, right now you probably know, okay, we're talking about Moses. In Exodus 24, something interesting happens. Moses takes a select group of people up on a mountain. Uh, You have an overshadowing cloud you have this experience where we're told that Moses in in another place is transfigured from going into God's presence, that his face is shining as to wear a veil. So we have all these components coming together from the Sinai story. Uh, We have also Moses meeting us uh, on the mountain in the transfiguration story, which adds even some more flavor to it. I'm going to talk about that more in a minute, what that's all about. But just think about it. You've got God speaking. You've got a mountain. You've got an overshadowing cloud. You have a select group of followers going up on the mountain. So Matthew is connecting this story back to the story of Moses on Mount Sinai. So you should be asking the question, why is that the case? So let's look at our text. Let's read these eight verses. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will have three tents here. I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So interesting story. You have Peter, James, and John going up on this high mountain with him. This transfiguration happens right in front of them where Jesus is now shining. He is like lightning. It is so bright. White as light. This would be a glimpse of the glory that the Son had before he came to earth. We'll read this in John's Gospel where Jesus talks about glorifying the glory I had before. So they're getting a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. We're also getting a picture of maybe the the new resurrected body that's to come for all of us, the glorious body that's spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15. Some would point and say this is uh, pointing ahead to that idea of a new and glorious resurrected body. We're getting a kind of advanced sign picture of what that might be like. Think of some interesting details that happen. Then just all of a sudden, in verse 3, there appears to them Moses and Elijah. Makes you wonder how Peter, James, and John knew or if they knew when they saw them, who they were. Maybe they knew by the conversation that was going on that revealed their identity. But think of this. This is interesting. And this is some scholarship has been done about this that, that makes the Bible really interesting, that God has a divine counsel. We see this in the book of Job, uh, where Satan appears before the sons of God and God's divine counsel. We find it in Psalm 82 and other places where God has a council of advisors, 1 Kings 22, that are angelic beings. And God makes these decrees before his angelic council. And some would say that some human beings have been allowed to be part of God's council. And what is meant by that, it seems that God listens to what humans have to say at times. Not that God's somehow uh, losing his sovereignty and his power and his majesty. That's not it. But he does listen to the opinions of human beings. Think of Abraham. Abraham talks to God and tries to reason with God and get God to relent or uh, change his mind about certain things. Two people, or really three people, that Early Christians talked about as being part of God's divine counsel that would be human beings would be Enoch, who walked with God. He never died. He was brought up into heaven. Then we have also Elijah, who's caught up in a whirlwind. But another one that I found interesting is Moses. Some would say Moses was part of this council where God listened to what humans had to say. And that that would make sense in the context of this passage, Jesus being the sovereign Lord is talking to two members, two human beings that have been part of God's council before. And they're talking about, in Luke's gospel, it talks about that the exodus that Jesus will take from this world. That's the exact word that's used in Greek, the exodus, which would connect to Moses. Now, let's just think really quick, uh, the weird, the strange, and the deep. Uh, I like to to study some of this deeper stuff. And here's a little nugget for you. This idea of Moses and Elijah, what would set them apart? Now, Enoch and Elijah both were assumed bodily into heaven. So we could say, okay, I get why Elijah shows up and he's embodied, it seems like. But what about Moses? Moses died. We think back in the book of Deuteronomy 34, verse 5, that God buried the body of Moses. Remember on Mount Nebo, God takes him up and shows him the promised land and Joshua's up there with him. Joshua goes back and informs the people that Moses has died. 
Moses dies on Mount Nebo and God buries him. That's just strange. But then we get this weird passage in Jude. Remember Jude's talking to people and their attitudes toward angelic beings. In Jude, it says in Jude verse 8, Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. They have this idea they they have no respect for authority and hierarchy. That's what he's talking about, even in the spiritual realm. Now listen to verse 9. This is where Jude gets really weird. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses. I'm going to read that again. <laughs> But when the archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, what is that all about? Richard Bauckham, who is a Bible scholar, a very good Bible scholar, says it like this. He says, Joshua accompanied Moses up to Mount Nebo. I'm actually reading what Bauckham says. Where God showed Moses the land of promise. Moses then sent Joshua back to the people to inform them of Moses' death. And Moses died. God sent the archangel Michael to remove the body of Moses to another place and bury it there. But Shamael, the devil, opposed him, disputing Moses' right to an honorable honorable burial. Now, here what Bakum is talking about, there's an old ancient Jewish tradition that there was this other angel, archangel type known as Shamael, which we would call the devil or Satan. If you were part of my a spiritual beings class, you would be familiar with some of this tradition, but Shamael would be the devil. And there was this tradition that Shamael came and said, no, you have no right to give him an honor, honorable burial, the body of Moses, because he killed the Egyptian taskmaster. So Shamael points the accusing finger, this would be the devil or Satan, and says, no, I'm going to take the body of Moses. I have the right to the dead. I get the dead. And Michael the archangel opposes him. So that's what some people think Jude is referring to, this ancient Jewish tradition. Now, take this a step further. I'm not endorsing this view, by the way. I'm telling you this is what was believed by people in the time of Jesus. That somehow Moses was assumed into heaven too. Now, there's this belief that just as Elijah and Enoch were assumed into heaven, Moses was too. And some would point to this story in Matthew 17 and say, well, that's what this is all about. I don't know if that's the case or not, but what is interesting, you get Moses and Elijah on the mountain with Christ. I do think there's some credence to the idea of them being part of God's divine counsel, where God allows certain human beings uh, to be part of that. If he lets angelic beings that have been created be a part of it, why would that be such a big departure for us to believe that? So we have Moses and Elijah talking to Christ. I would have Love to hear that conversation, what's going on there, and get the details of it. But what's interesting when you think about these two and why they show up, these are the great prophets of Israel. These prophets have messianic overtones. In other words, they point ahead to the Messiah. In Matthew 18, not Matthew 18, but Deuteronomy 18. I've got Matthew on the brain today. But Deuteronomy 18, you have this prophecy that Moses says, a prophet like Moses will be raised up in Israel. He'll be, he'll be greater than Moses, and that being Jesus. Matthew's gospel is telling us over and over and over and over again that Jesus is the new Moses. Then we know in Messianic times, according to Malachi, the book of Malachi chapter 4, that Elijah would come. 
before the Messiah would come. So you have both of these very messianic characters, both of these great prophets. And you think, okay, who are the two great prophets of the Old Testament? Well, of course, Moses and Elijah. They're showing up and in a way ratifying before these disciples, okay, this is God's plan. This is what God wants. Now, I wish we had more time. I've kind of gone over today longer than I would like to, but I want to give you some details that normally you would not hear in this story. If you'll hang with us this week, you're going to get a lot more info about the transfiguration. My sermon Sunday will be a lot more application. Uh, today, we've just done a lot of background stuff and hopefully giving you some more insight into this story, what's going on for you to munch on and think about all week. I mean, these readings are, are all about preparing us for Sunday. And what we're going to talk about as a church family. Uh, I hope you'll join us for that sermon. Uh, tune in and you can listen to us on our, on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can get access on our website also to that sermon, uh, wcc.church. Uh, but Sunday, we're going to take this story and really plumb the depths of it and come up with some application. But thank you for tuning in today and uh, hope you come back tomorrow as we continue our studies in the gospel. God bless. Mm-hmm.